Welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you so much for being with us today. I give a special shout out to all of those that are joining us online. So, so glad you could be with us today for worship. Well, church, we have made it. We made it to a brand new year. Amen? Let's celebrate that. Real, real quick, as I kind of look over the room, show of hands, how many of you made it all the way till midnight? Made it all the way, okay, very good. Now show of hands, how many of you had no intention of ever making it to midnight, just went to bed? Very good, I see you, I see you out there. Our family, me and Lisa, we made it till 11.45. And then we're like, let's just go to bed. You know, when I was a kid, and uh, growing up in St. Louis in youth group, we would go for New Year's Eve and New Year's Day to an all-night lock-in that started at 10 o'clock and didn't get over until 6 a.m. on New Year's Day. As an adult, that sounds terrible, like the absolute worst thing ever, but here we are, we've made it to a brand new year, and even though All of the things around us, it is a big deal, and we've come, and it's worth celebrating. This is the time everyone, as we kind of look around the world and look around our community and within families, everybody seems to focus on what's next, the things that are coming, ways we can either improve our life, we can improve our health, improve our family, whatever it is. We start to maybe make resolutions, and we're like, this is something I used to do, But in 2022, I'm not going to do that anymore. And we look ahead. That's the moment that we are in right now. All of that enthusiasm, the party, the joy. But the reality is, it never really lasts. The party always seems to fade. I bet right now, the anticipation of 2022 has probably worn off for many of us in this room. The party blowers, the hats, the foods put away, and we probably start to think about, I've got to go to work on Monday, got all these Christmas decorations I still need to take down. So even just a few hours removed, the party really has begun to fade. I can imagine a couple months from now, if it were the middle of the night, And I were to wake Lisa up and I'd go, Lisa, it is a brand new year. 2022 is here. Let's celebrate. It would not go well. The party seems to fade. I look back to the summer of 2019 when my, and yes, I'll take claim as mine, my St. Louis Blues won the Stanley Cup. It was a party in the Franklin house. There was yelling. There was running. There was screaming, there was celebration, and yes, there were tears. There were tears because after so many years, so many generations of disappointment, they won and they did. But that's two and a half years. I'm not going to go home tonight and walk through the door and be like, we gotta celebrate the blues, won the Stanley Cup. It fades. Parties always seem to fade. If only there was something we as a church, something we as families and individuals can celebrate that will never fade. What could it be? I know. We celebrated it last weekend, the birth of Jesus, the birth of our Savior, the birth of our Messiah, the birth of our King, 
That is something worth celebrating that will never fade and will never, ever end. So today is on the first weekend of 2022. We're not gonna talk about resolutions or gym memberships or anything like that. We're gonna talk about Jesus and how we as a church and as individuals and as families can resolutely celebrate him throughout the entire year. And that term resolutely means intentionally, on purpose. We can do that for the entire year ahead of us. We have a brand new year. Let's make the most of it. So to do this today, we're gonna do this through the eyes of a bit of an obscure group that we might not even think about. And it's one of those traditions that I imagine some of us that have our Christmas decorations still in place is still in your home right now, the nativity scene up. Real quick show of hands, anybody still have a nativity somewhere in their house? All right, very good. So we're gonna look through, we're gonna look at different things that we can learn through this group that is in our nativity. And uh, let me show you a picture. This is a picture of my nativity. This is my family nativity that I grew up with probably about 50 years old or more, and I brought it in a Bibleopolis. I don't know why. From the time I was like three years old, I always put the sheep up in this loft right there. I don't know how he got up, but I still do it today when I set it up at home, still do it that way. But tonight and today, we're gonna talk about these crew right over here, and I think I got another picture of them. We got our, our wise men, our magi, and I brought one with me. Since there's three of them, I'm, brought one, I'm gonna bring one to each service and let them experience worship with us together. So tonight, you, everybody gets this one right here, and so he'll just be there as a reminder. We're gonna look at some of the things about the lessons that we can learn about the year ahead of us through the eyes of the magi. And we're gonna look at their account of the story of Jesus and things that we can learn. And as we start tonight, we're gonna jump right into our text. And if you have a Bible or a Bible app, I'm gonna invite you to turn or go to Matthew chapter two, verses one through 12. We're gonna read their account together. And if you're willing, able, I'm gonna invite you to stand right where you are and we're gonna read that together. It says, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the, the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who is born King of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all of Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Christ was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written, but you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means the least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will be the shepherd of my people, Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. Go and make careful search for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. After they heard this, after they heard the king, they went on their way and the star they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary and they bowed down and worshiped him. They opened their treasure and presented him with gifts of gold, incense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned 
to their country by another route. There it is. You may be seated. We always ask God to bless the hearing and reading of his word. Before we go any further in our message and before we look to that, there are some things from Old Testament prophecy that we have to understand as we get here and we cover this part of Jesus' birth as it really is worth celebrating all year long. We're gonna start with some very familiar text from Isaiah chapter nine, verses six through seven. For to us, a child is born, to us, a son is given and the government will be on his shoulders. He will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne, over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on forever. The zeal of the Lord will accomplish this. And then we hear about the the city itself, the city of Bethlehem in Micah chapter five, verse two. But you, Bethlehem, Ephrath, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come one for me who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from old and from ancient times. And then we read about the star in the book of Numbers, chapter 24. I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star will come out of Jacob. A scepter will rise out of Israel. And then the final one we're going to look at, it comes from the book of Psalm, chapter 72, where we hear a little bit about some of the guys that came to travel to see Jesus. The kings of Tarshish and of distant shores will bring tribute to him. The kings of Sheba and Seba will present gifts to him. All kings will bow down to him and the nations will serve, all nations will serve him. These are just a few of the prophecies that we read about the birth of Jesus. Another thing that I feel like is very important for us to to understand before we go any further is we need to learn a little bit more about the Magi if we're gonna look at the next year ahead of us through their eyes. There's so many questions about them. We don't know or we don't study a lot about the Magi. It's like, who are they? Where did they come from? How did they find out about Jesus? How many were there? So, so many questions. So I just wanna answer a few of those tonight. And the very first question we is actually answered in our text we read from Matthew chapter two. The very first four words, it says after Jesus was born. And then we read on later in verse 11, it says, and coming on coming to the house. So the, the wise men, the magi, very clearly are not at the actual event of the birth of Jesus. So here I go. I'm gonna start to rain on your Christmas tra- traditions, if you will. On our traditional, ma- our traditional nativity scenes that we have, the magi shouldn't be there. And so in Bibleopolis, we have uh, a, one of these historically inaccurate uh, nativity scenes as well. And about two weeks ago, someone came and said, why are your magi with there? They shouldn't be there. And I said, wait, wait till the first weekend of the year. I'll tell you all about it. So I moved them all the way back here. So they're far off to the east and they're very slow making their way, making their way to the manger scene. So they weren't at the birth of Jesus. The next thing we have to understand is there were more than three 
magi. Tradition has associated one of these individuals for every one of the gifts. But as we discover more about them, it's very likely that there were dozens, if not hundreds of these magi in, in a group of, of people surrounding them with servants and, and a large, large entourage that came into the city. It's for that reason that they were granted an audience with King Herod. If it was just three guys walking through, they would have never gotten to the king and, and his audience. Everybody knew that they were there when they were there. So there's more than three. Now, as I continue to reign on the parade of traditions in Christmas, they weren't kings. There, was, there, was, there weren't three, there weren't kings. And so when we sing the song, we three kings of Orient are, all of that is historically inaccurate. They weren't from the Orient. There's more than three and they weren't kings. It's very, very important to understand this point about them. Although they weren't kings, they were king makers. It was part of their responsibility to choose in political office who would be king in their land. So if we were to relate that to the Israelites, it would be very much like the Levite tribe of Israel. They were kind of like the greatest among equals. They were up there and they had very, very strong political influence and political power. And they had their hand in deciding who would be king. So if we understand that, and we understand that the Magi were not kings, but they were the ones that decided who would be king, it paints a whole different picture to understand they traveled all that distance to see Jesus, the King of Kings. We have come to see the Christ. We have come to see the one who is King of the Jews, and we have come to worship him. So... The other questions are, where did they come from? How did they even know about Jesus? To understand this principle, we have to go a little bit further back in Old Testament history. We go back to the time of Daniel, and we learn a little bit about what happened. Because for over 70 years, Israel was in captivity in Babylon, or what's modern day, the Middle East part of the world, and they were in captivity for over 70 years. Now, during that time and when Israel, when they came out of captivity, a lot of people stayed and they intermarried with people in that area and those of that community. And so one of those individuals might be somebody you've heard of, a guy by the name of Daniel. If you look at the book of Daniel all the way back in Daniel chapter 1, you're going to read this. When Daniel challenged the king when he was very first on the scene, he sa says this. In every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king questioned him, he, meaning the king, found them ten times, th ten times better than all the magicians and enchanters in the whole kingdom. And Daniel remained there until the first year of King Cyrus. So from that time to the reign of King Cyrus, 64 years Daniel was in that region. And we find out later, if you fast forward to chapter 5, of the chapter 5 of Daniel, in the part where there's the writing on the wall, mene, mene, tekel, parson, when the hand comes and the other king uh, reads that on the wall, here's what's said about Daniel, and we learn something else about him. It says, there is a man in your kingdom who, is this, who has the spirit of the holy gods in him. In the time of your father, he was found to have insight and intelligence and wisdom, intelligence and wisdom like that of the gods. 
King Nebuchadnezzar, your father, your father the king, I say, appointed him the chief of the magicians, enchanters, astrologers, and diviners. So Daniel was put in charge of the magi and of all of them in this area. So for 64 years, as we look at the time that Daniel was there, do you think there was any possibility that Daniel could have maybe told all of this group about some of those prophecies, even the prophecies that we read about just a few minutes ago? I would say not only is it likely, it's not only is it a possibility, it is almost certain and very likely that one of the main reasons that the Magi showed up at the feet of Jesus was because of Daniel, year after year, in tradition and teaching and learning about the king that was going to come. And I know we spent just a few minutes, a few extra minutes kind of setting up what we're going to look at. But before we get into the thing, even before we get into our outline that we're going to be talking about for us that we can apply for 2022, I want to just take real quickly, at the birth of Jesus, when we're looking at Matthew chapter 2, it's even at that very moment, up until today, it's like people group themselves into three distinct groups. There are those that have the reaction of Herod. Herod hated Jesus. He wanted to destroy Jesus. He saw Jesus as directly interfering with his life, with his rule, with everything about him. He could not stand Jesus. And as I look around the world today, I see people like this that hate Jesus because they don't want Jesus to interfere in their lives. But group number two, there are those who have the reaction of the chief priests and the scribes, complete and total indifference to Jesus. He makes no impact on their life whatsoever. When Herod asks them about Jesus, they're like, oh, there's a prophecy about this guy. Couldn't care less about it. As I look around the world today and I look around the, the world that we're living in, we live in a world like this. Total indifference to Jesus doesn't make an impact in their lives. And then there's people who have the reaction of the Magi. Adoring worship, they pursue him at great, amazing, and mighty cost. There is a desire to worship and to lay gifts at his feet. Gold for a king, incense for the high priest, and myrrh for one that will give his life for all. So now that we have an accurate or a little better picture of what the Magi really are, who they were, and why they were there, I want to outline three principles for us that as we look ahead to the next year. How can we look through their eyes to celebrate Jesus as the party that never ends? It never fades. It's worth celebrating today. It's worth celebrating in the summer. It's, it's worth celebrating in the spring all year long. The first thing we need to do is to search the scriptures, search the scriptures. The Magi were scholars, and in addition to oral tradition of the Savior that would be born in Bethlehem, and they were gonna, going to be directed there by a star, they read it, they studied it, they knew it. What a great lesson or example that we can have ahead of us for the new year. What if we decided that instead of making a year to be more physically fit, 2022 was gonna be a year we were gonna be more spiritually 
fits. We too, as a church, made it our goal to get into scripture and not just those moments on the weekend when you're asked to stand, but we get into scripture intentionally and resolutely throughout the year. If you're wired at all like me, just opening the Bible can be a little bit daunting. It's like, where do I begin? Where do I start? What do I read? When I grew up, I didn't have the internet. Yeah, that's, that's how old I am. I'm so old, there was no internet. I know kids today are like, it's always been there. But we didn't have apps and we didn't have those resources. So it was difficult for me to get into the Bible in different areas of study. But the good news is, I'm not a kid anymore, and the internet is here, and we have lots of resources available all over the place, so many different things to help us get into the word. So I'm gonna give you a couple of them. We got a couple up here, and we just wanna talk about just for a moment. And you can either take a picture of the screen, you can, uh, I'll give you some more info at the end, but this'll help you out just a little bit. If you wanna look at the gospels, Type in bible.com forward slash reading plans, and in there just write, just put gospels in the search. There are a lot of different options, but that will give you a, a way to read and study and intentionally get into the gospels for 90 days. That'll put you from now till the end of March. For three months, you can get in and read and study and learn all about the gospels. It, we can do it for three months, just in those little bite-sized pieces. Or how about the stories of Jesus' life? In that, same, in that same search, just put in the word Quest 52. This is a reading plan that will just share some of the stories of Jesus' life in five days. That's it, Monday through Friday. We can do that. We can do anything for five days. Here's the good news. With the new CDC regulations, it's only one quarantine you have to do. You can make it through the story of Jesus' life, and you'll have something to do. Now, if you back up and you just go into your search engine and you type in quest52.com, that's gonna give you a one-year Bible study, 15 minutes a day throughout the, and have a whole year pursuit of Jesus. Later in the year, hopefully very soon, the Bible Project app will be available. You can type in that address there and hopefully very soon that will be available for us. It's gonna open up a whole, lot of, a whole new world of options of studies and intently searching scripture. If you want more resources, I'm gonna encourage you, if you would, to reach out to our middle school pastor, Mike Sheely. He helped me out to get some of those. I'm gonna put his phone number, address, social security number, and some security questions up here. Uh, well, may, maybe not, but you can reach out to him. His uh, info is on our website. He is very, very dialed into things like that and tech to help you as a resource for that. But even more, as we look for resources or we look to get into the word and, and dig into scripture in the year 2022, we are gonna have a much higher success rate if we involve other people. If it's just you, if it's just me by myself, the success rate of being effective in that is gonna go way down need to involve other people, involve your spouse, involve a friend, involve a small group, involve somebody else. What a great lesson it could be for us as parents to involve our kids digging into scripture together for the year ahead of us. So a search and search the scripture. The second one, 
from the Magi is to examine the cost. Examine what it costs to pursue Jesus each and every day. I don't have to go into a whole lot of detail to tell you this, but there are no direct flights from modern day Iran and Persia to Bethlehem. It was an extremely costly, monetarily, physically, mentally, emotionally journey for the Magi to go from where they were to the feet of Jesus. The cost was significant. It is very difficult for me to put that in perspective for the life that we live in central Indiana today. We almost have zero barriers between us and to pursue Jesus. Chances are right now at our homes, we could find a dozen or so Bibles. You are likely not persecuted for loving and living for Jesus. The doors of our building are not guarded by armed guards 24 seven to protect us in here from others out there that would seek to harm and hurt us for doing so. To get here, I imagine not too many people walk to church. You probably got in a nice comfy vehicle that had heat and windows and a roof. And I know there are many stories from the mission field about others who have been persecuted and paid great, great prices of beatings, persecution, or even death. Although I've never seen that myself. I've heard many different stories of gut-wrenching things about people willing to give up anything to pursue Jesus. When I think about wanting to pursue Jesus, I look at Matthew chapter 8, and here's what Jesus says about following him. He says, then a teacher of the law came to him and said, teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, foxes have holes and birds in the air have nests, but the son of man has no place to lay his head. Another disciple said to him, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. But Jesus told him, follow me and let the dead bury their own dead. Jesus is saying this, follow me no matter what the cost Follow me, pursue me, even burying your father, which culturally was no small task and involved weeks or months of getting family affairs in order. Nothing should take priority over Jesus. And as I, re as I read that examining the cost or counting the cost of following Jesus, I can't help but think back to those chief priests and scribes about others completely indifferent. Jesus makes no impact on their lives. How many times do we live like that? How many times do we fail to pursue Jesus when we have no barriers to do so? You know, my various trips to Mexico for mission trips, I am always in awe when a service starts and I see a family come in and I know they walked there and I know they didn't live right next door to the church. Sometimes in those conversations, I find out they've walked for miles and they're wearing their Sunday best, and they might be carrying a kid or two. They might, be ha they might have a snack or something to eat on the way home. And then when church is over, they get out, and they go and they walk that same direction home. And then I put that in a contrast to my life, and I look around us, and there's times like, uh-oh, there's a Colts game on Sunday. I don't know if I can make it. There's a snowflake. I heard there's going to be a snowflake. I saw those things on the road. Don't know if I can make it to church. Don't know all that. It's a stark contrast to the life that we live where there are no barriers to pursue Jesus each and every day. The final thing as I look at the Magi is what they went to do. They went to worship the king. In Matthew chapter two, verse 11, we read this, and they bowed down and worshiped him. 
This word literally means to fall before them before in reverence. And it's the second time in the passage that there's an emphasis on worship. And I know there is a tendency to think that worship only happens in here. It only happens in this room or where there's a, a gathering. That's where worship is. Or perhaps sometimes we might just think worship is singing. That's, that's the only time that that's worship. That's, that's part of it. But to worship Jesus, it's not a song. It's not a service. It's a life. It's a life pursuing him, adoring him, laying at his feet, giving him our all, a constant pursuit. I want to read Psalm chapter 95, the first seven verses. It says, Come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before him with thanksgiving and extol him with music and song. For the Lord is the great God, the great king above all gods. In his hand are the depths of the earth and the mountain peaks belong to him. The sea is his, for he made it. For his hands formed the dry land. Come, let us bow down and worship. Let us kneel before, before the Lord, our maker, for he is our God and we are his people and his pasture, and his flock under our care. You know, earlier this earlier today, I spent a little bit of time on social media, and I saw two trends, two things that kind of flooded social media. The first was, of course, the celebrations from New Year's Eve and New Year's morning. The joy of family and friends, all of the celebrations, the parties, the food, and I saw some of you in those photos, and that brings my question, where was my invite? I was, I know you guys, I was looking for that, nobody, just, just kidding, but it was a definite theme from the weekend, and as you look, you see all the parties, you see the people, but there was a second thing I saw. It was the trend of a not-so-fond farewell to 2021. In fact, I have yet to see anyone post anything online or in social media that says, 2021 was the best year of my life. <laughs> oh, that is the measuring stick by which other years are going to be measured for how awesome it was. I don't think we can improve on that one. I mean, it's been a hard, hard year. I kind of sum up 2021 in one word. This is at least the way I do exhausting. For many of us, it was just an exhausting year. That's where we are. Families, friendships, jobs, life, exhausting. But to say that, I now say this. It is time to celebrate. Celebrate something worth celebrating all year long. I have high hopes for 2022. If we do those three things as a church, if we do those three things as an individual, and we do those three things as a family, I have high hopes for the year ahead of us. Search the scripture, count the cost, and worship the king. It's gonna be a great redefining year. It's time to celebrate. Will you pray with me? Father God, we thank you for the privilege it is to be here. We thank you for the year ahead of us. I just pray that you challenge each and every one of us, move in our hearts, move in our lives, that we can pursue you at all costs. As we dig into the word, as we resolutely set out to see you, 
to seek your face. We thank you. We praise you. We give you all the honor and all the glory, and we celebrate you all year long. We love you, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'm going to invite you right now, if you would, just to stand as we sing one last song.